Hi everyone, this is Lucinda van Niekerk. I am a nutritionist with a BSc Honours Degree in Nutritional Science. I'm a metabolic balance coach and also an NLP practitioner. And joining me today is Taryn Jacoby. She's a transformational coach and therapist. And we're going to be talking all about hormonal health and the impact that food has on our hormonal health. And just last week, we ran such an incredible five-day challenge that Taryn also joined on. So I was thinking Taryn can kick this podcast off to share her experience on that challenge and how she found it. So really excited to hear. Hi, everyone. And thanks, Lucinda. Um, so yeah, last week's challenge was amazing. And it's just, it came about at just the right time for me as well. So it's funny, like Lucinda and I have just been started collaborating and, you know, we're helping each other in so many different ways. But just recently, um, my own personal journey, I've been diagnosed with PCOS. And, um, I, you know, I've, I went to the doctor maybe like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I've only just been diagnosed like about a month ago. So uh, the five day challenge was just perfect timing for me because I think it's, you know, the information out there is just so overwhelming. It's really difficult to know where to start. And I just feel so grateful to, you know, be collaborating with Lucinda and to have people in my life that can guide me in the right direction. And uh, yeah, I just, the food was delicious. Lucinda put together like a five day uh, meal plan and yeah, the food was just gorgeous. And I'm definitely going to keep those recipes on, (laughs) including the chia pudding and um, the berry smoothie bowl was Mm. gorgeous. But yeah, it was really good to just learn a bit more about hormonal balance. And I think Lucinda's going to talk us through a little bit of that today. Um, and, you know, just to get a bit of understanding of, you know, how these things come about and how we can learn to, uh, you know, manage them on our own um, and make certain adjustments in our life. So, yeah, so I was really grateful for that challenge. Thank you, Lucinda, for sharing your knowledge with us. Um, and I know a lot of other women on the challenge as well. We're really grateful as well. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad that you were able to also join in and eat all the delicious food because there is a bit of prepping, right? When we when we take on any challenge, when it's food related, there is a bit of prep that um, goes hand in hand. And I think that the biggest feedback that I received on this challenge was how helpful that prep guide was. And um, like you said, your personal journey with PCOS, I hear this time and time again in clinic where women have really struggled with their health, but it takes a long time before they diagnose. And that's why I absolutely love what I do in that I don't diagnose and I don't treat, but I actually look at the um, imbalances and the root causes behind the symptoms that's being expressed. And in your case, the symptoms is PCOS symptoms. So it was really interesting throughout this challenge because um, I knew of your diagnosis, Taryn, that um, I took a, a key interest in PCOS. And what was really interesting is yet again that there's such a huge metabolic um, imbalance that plays a part in PCOS. And when I talk about metabolic balance and metabolic health, I'm 
generally looking at our cholesterol levels. What are our insulin levels doing? And with PCOS, there is an insulin resistance picture that we see. And then there's also a testosterone excessive picture that we see. But that can also then drive up an estrogen dominance. And in clinic, that is probably what I see the most is women with estrogen dominance. And when we talk about um, hormonal health, there's a little acronym that I like to use because it is such a huge topic. And I definitely cannot go into all of it today, but I'll definitely share as much as I can on this podcast, because like you say, that the information is overwhelming and we don't often know where to start. And like, what a huge impact that we can actually make on our hormones from diet and lifestyle changes. And I know that we're going to talk a bit more about the lifestyle changes side of things when we thinking of um, our pituitary gland and we'll go into a bit more um, information there. But I just want to say, when we look at hormonal health, that little acronym that I use is PTSD and it stands for production, transportation, storage, and detoxification. Um, And that really helps because when we're looking at the production of our hormones, yes, some of them are made in the adrenal glands, but we need cholesterol um, for it actually to um, be taken up by those organs like our adrenal glands um, for it to be converted in the organs. So cholesterol plays such a big, big role in our hormonal health. Um, And it's often overlooked because when we're looking at diagnostics, we're not looking at the imbalances and the root causes. Um, The other area of Um, production is then the adrenal glands because when we look at progesterone it is produced in the it's it's made in the adrenal glands and this is really interesting because um taryn you and i often talk about this um you know rushing women syndrome or busy women syndrome um and it plays such a huge role and um part in our hormonal balancing. And when we talk about hormones, I can't talk about hormones without addressing lifestyle changes and looking at our stress response. Mm. Because when we look at our stress response, we've got the um, pituitary, uh, we've got the hypothalamus, we've got the pituitary gland, and we've got our adrenals. And when we see um, a picture of high stress busyness um, in in women in particular, I think we take on a lot more than, than often what we can um, cope with. But it's, it's, we don't see it until it's too late almost, right? I don't know what your take is on, um, on stress and busyness and um, if you can share a bit more on, on your experience with that. Oh yeah, completely. And we've spoken about this before and I think we, we talked about it in a previous podcast and we always talk about how we must take our own advice as well. But yeah, yeah for me, uh, you know, I think, in my throughout my 20s and 30s i've always been really um you know committed to eating a healthy diet to exercising to meditating removing toxins from my life but the one thing that i tend to get caught up in is busyness and um, it, it takes a lot of uh, conscious effort to pull myself out of that pattern and you know consistently remind myself to slow down um, yeah. and I think, you know, this whole journey of, you know, this hormone imbalance and understanding what's going on in my body, I think 
the lesson for me is that like I'm learning to listen to my body more. I'm learning to be more in touch with my body and to uh, notice how different things are affecting my body and including stress, you know, how stress is affecting my body and, you know, how that's making me feel and to rather than just push through it, slow down, stop, you know, take a, a walk at lunchtime or um, you know, the other thing for me is like, I've always struggled to get up early in the mornings. Like I am like, just like dead in my bed in the mornings. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've been trying like for years, I was trying to force myself to be a morning person and wake up early and, you know, get out of bed and go for a run and really push myself in the mornings. And I've just kind of, you know, just, you know, relaxed into myself now and just allowed my body to do what it needs to do. And just come to the acceptance that maybe my body just needs to, you know, chill a little bit in the morning. So I only book and calls at 11. Um, you know, I have a little bit of a sleep in. I take things really slow. I do a gentle yoga, you know, um, get ready for the day. Um, instead of just trying to push myself and do as much as I possibly can in the mornings. So, um, yeah, so it's just making adjustments and, and listening to your body. But like I said, it, for me, it's taken, you know, constant reminding. So yeah, it'd be good to hear from you. Like what are some kind of uh, tips and advice on how we can manage, you know, the stress and the busyness in, in our lives? You know, a lot of, a lot of women are really busy and a lot of women are, you know, uh, you know, I'm working, running my own business, but I'm lucky I don't have kids to manage at the same time. So, you know, a lot of women are single moms working, you know, looking after kids. What advice would you give them to help them with managing all that and managing the stress that they're experiencing as well? Yeah, so stress management, I think, is a huge topic all on its own. And it's really interesting hearing you say that in the mornings in particular, you're, you know, dead in your in your bed, kind of, you know, and where before you used to push through, um, cortisol is a really important um, hormone in the mornings to help get us out of bed, so to speak. And when we're looking at hormonal imbalances, we need to also, this is the one thing I want to stress is that, <laughs> excuse the pun, but um, it's the one thing that I want to stress is when we're looking at hormones is to not just look at one hormone at a time. So if there is an estrogen um, picture or a progesterone picture that's out of balance, always look at cholesterol as well. What is your DHEA doing? What is your... Um, what is your thyroid doing? Because what we see is that they all interact with each other. We call this sort of the hormonal dance. And that is what they do. It, it's this dance. And cortisol is there to really help get us up in the mornings. And it's really interesting hearing you talk through um, not pushing yourself through anymore. And I think this is one thing where women, busy women, I would say definitely is to um, cultivate that awareness into like, what does your body need? What is it telling you? And uh, like for me, in, for instance, this um, after the challenge ran last week, I was really, really tired um, by Friday, Saturday, and it coincided with me getting my period. And before I would be like, well, it's, it's, it's part of life. Every woman goes through this. I just need to push through, but I don't do that anymore. You know, I've learned how to communicate my, my needs. Um, and I think that is really important when you do have children. I've got a little one-year-old. He's gorgeous. He's about 13 months old now, almost going on 14 months. I mean, the time just 
flies by. But I think it's really important when you have kids to be able to communicate your needs to your husband or to your partner or to, um, you know, people that offer support in your life um, is to reach out. And there's no shame in this. And I think that that is a huge topic um, of, you, you know, um, vulnerability, I think, is often seen as weakness. And I think this is a topic that we'll time and time touch on again. But there, it's, there is no weakness in putting your hand up and saying, I really need help in this department. Can you take my child for the afternoon so I can sleep and not take my child for the afternoon so I can do washing, clean my house, uh, deep clean the bathroom. No, like it's really important to prioritize your health as much as we do a full wash basket. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that's um, such a good point because I think, especially as women as well, we always feel like we need to just do things on our own. And, you know, just, you know, it, sometimes it's like, oh, I'll just get it done myself. You know, it's just quicker, it's easier, whatever. And then you end up taking on too much stuff without getting any support or asking for help from those around you. It's really important to, to ask and, like you said, communicate your needs. And I know for me, you know, I'm so grateful to have such an amazing husband. But um, since mm -hmm. I got diagnosed, like he's so much more understanding of, you know, like, you know, my moods and, you know, what, what, what things are affecting me. And I've noticed um, just recently as well how um, if I don't eat for a certain um, amount of hours, I start getting really irritable. Mm -hmm. And now that I know what it is, I know how to look after that. And because I've been so busy, you know, Clint, my husband has been um, making most of the food, cooking the breakfast and the dinners. And now he's been giving me snacks as well. And I'm like... I'm so busy, but I need food. He's like, okay, wait, wait, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> Calm down. That's awesome. <laughs> Darren is the same, my husband. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the breastfeeding, I've never experienced this level of, of hunger in, in my life before. Um, and I think that's the other area as women, we just get so busy that we don't eat yeah. and we forget to eat. Um, where it's really important to, to like you say, um, eat when we're hungry. And I think that was one of the responses from um, one of the ladies that joined the challenge last week. She said that, you know, um, there's this, um, I don't know, this, this, like the voice in our head, right? Mm. Wherever it comes from, whether it's a media or our parents or, um, you know, childhood stuff. But, um, you know, she expressed that she felt that eating was bad. Like she couldn't eat so much because, you know, she's already struggling to lose weight um, and that, you know, it's seen as um, being greedy or overeating. And I've seen this time and time with my clients where they're like, listen, this is a lot of food. Like, how do you expect me to, like, to lose weight um, while I'm consuming so much food. And it's really interesting because last week that same lady lost um, like half a kilogram amazing yeah by eating a lot more food yeah but um yeah so um it's really interesting hearing you talk about like the awareness that you now have after being diagnosed and insulin levels come up right and there's this PCOS insulin resistance um 
picture that we see. Um, so it's really interesting then seeing you experiencing this um, in your day to day and going, oh my gosh, there's these irritability symptoms and like, um, you know, whatever comes up for you. And it's to do with when we eat. Now, this is really interesting because without understanding your personal needs, I see women taking on different diets. I mean, the keto diet is a huge, um, um, you know, hot topic at the moment. Then there's, you know, with that comes fasting. And when you have this hormonal imbalance and you then apply these really strict um, diets to your life, it, it sometimes and often more so than not yeah. they don't actually support your needs mm. and it's very important when we start looking at personalized um, nutrition because this is what I do in my in my practice is I start looking at what individual like person a really needs um, and a lot of the time insulin plays a huge role in our hormonal health. And I think it's often overlooked. Mm. Um, cholesterol plays a huge part and it's often overlooked. Sleep plays a huge part. And I think that we are of the most sleep deprived um, people or, or nation or like, um, what do you say? Like, um, our century, right? Like we're the most sleep deprived. Um, back in the day, our grandmothers and our great grandmothers and grand grandfathers and our ancestors, they used to sleep a lot. They didn't have television keeping them up. They didn't have technology keeping them up. Um, I mean, I was speaking with another lady last week. She said that the electricity would be cut off at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and then they would sleep. <clears throat> Um, so it's very interesting, but I'm getting off track here and I love talking about <laughs> personalized healthcare, but getting back to our hormonal health and just linking food to uh, how we can actually support our hormonal health. Now, when we look at food and the diet or the recipes, shall I say, the meal plan that I selected for last week was really done with um, a lot of evidence-based um rationale behind it because when we start looking at detoxification and liver support it's a huge area area that we can come in and intervene and offer support um, especially the detoxification of our hormones we um secrete estrogen for example through our stool and our liver plays a huge role in in our detoxification of estrogen so supporting our um our methylation pathway and our sulfation pathway. And then when we look at that part of um, the liver, we can look at what vegetables actually um, promote that, um, the clearance and crucificus vegetables, our brassicas, which is um, our, um, our broccoli, our cabbage, um, the, the sulfur rich um, foods, you know, uh, leeks and kale, they all play such a huge role in our hormonal health. And it was really interesting, um, Taryn, last week sharing about um, like the typical diet for UK uh, women of childbearing age. And a lot of them have very low 
um, fiber intake, very low um, iron intake, very low. What was the other list? Um, I had it all written down here because it was just, I was quite taken aback. A low magnesium, uh, low vitamin D intake. Um, and then of course our um, omega-3s, which is our healthy fats. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting then when we start looking at what foods we can bring into um, our day-to-day and how quickly we can actually improve our fiber intake and how easily it's done when we look at vegetables um, and good like high quality protein. Um, so yes, there's a lot that we can do to support our hormonal health, but it's really when we talk, start specifically talking about food. Mm-hmm. But the key message I think that I want to share here is that nothing helps until we start supporting our pituitary gland um, because that's on the stress response. Our pituitary gland actually um releases two really important hormones, which is follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. And when we are, when we see this picture of a really stressed um, person, their adrenals are taking um, like a lot of, a lot of the work. And when we, when we start looking at this picture, the adrenals then actually have to start taking over um, the hormonal production and support as well. So now when we've got estrogen dominance or we've got any of the six hormones, which is your testosterone, your progesterone, your estrogen out of balance, even your thyroid, um, we then see the adrenals actually have to take up a lot of the slack as well. Um, so we really have to address this lifestyle factor, which is stress and busyness, um, because we need to support that pituitary gland and it's all done in the brain. Um, and that comes down to perception. What I perceive as stressful person, you know, somebody next to me, like you, for example, Taryn, you won't see it as stressful. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that we can then do from only a lifestyle um, intervention, right? You work a lot of the time on perception and limiting beliefs. And um, you asked me earlier, like, what are some of the changes we can make? Um, And I think perception plays a huge, huge role in this and how we can um, reframe our perception of a um email inbox for example was one of the the triggers that one of the women had and she was like every Monday I just feel this pent-up angst and anxiety build up inside of me because I know there's going to be over 2,000 emails in my inbox and it'll be really great to hear your um your take on on perception and how we can support our pituitary gland um to then actually start balancing our hormones because if it's down to perception, what I say to my clients is it doesn't matter the what the um, expense, you can have the most expensive supplements, the most I don't know, like perception, right? take yeah. as well so i'd love to be there for a minute but um i think hopefully it's all the recording's okay but yeah so um i think yeah it's a really good point and we talked a bit about this on the challenge as well we talked about self-sabotaging and stuff and i think that all ties ties in as well and i think you know it's easy to get uh, caught up in the whole stress pattern 
and when um, you know you have a lot going on, it's uh, it, I think you can get addicted to stress. You know that feeling. I think we were talking about that adrenaline that is created in your body. That feeling can get addictive, and I know for me, it's you know it's about changing the words that I'm telling myself. Like if I'm running around and I'm saying I'm so busy, I'm so stressed, you know. I'm just create, I'm feeding that stress. I'm creating more stress in my body. But in the mornings, you know, if I like, this is why I like to take my morning slow and do a meditation. And, you know, when I'm brushing my teeth, I say little affirmations like I'm calm, I'm confident, I'm happy, um, you know, all these nice positive words and just kind of sets the mood for the day and kind of tell myself that, you know, no matter what happens today, I'm going you know, I'm going to remain calm and I'm going to, you know, stay in this peaceful state of mind. Um, and that's just some, a small little tool that really works well for me. And, you know, I think it's also about catching when you um, start getting into that state of your adrenaline kind of rising and um, you're starting to feel a bit stressed or anxious and just um, being consciously taking time out to just sit with yourself for 90 seconds and just take a few deep breaths even you know three deep breaths or we, we talked about doing breath work and stuff like that yeah. but yeah percep perception is really uh, important and plays a big part in it as well because um, everything is you know depends on how we look at it and we can perceive something to be stressful and overwhelming or we can perceive it to be something that you know we are capable of working through and um, that you know it's a learning curve for us as well so yeah 100% yeah, thank you so much. Those tools really help. And I think um, it's, again, it's about applying these tools and techniques because for a long time I, I learned about all these things, but I just didn't know how to apply it in my life. Um, and I think bite-sized chunks really help is to not like try and um, make all these changes, diet, lifestyle, like all at once. And I think that, you know, time and time again, we come back to this. Um, but it's really great if you can work with somebody um, to help guide you through this. We don't have to go through this alone. And I think that that was one of the um, biggest takeaways for me is that even in the business, I don't have to do everything myself. Yeah. Um, in my personal life I know that a lot of people reach out to um, have cleaners come in you know sometimes we say no but you know as women we have to do we have to do everything and I think that that message is changing out there in the world people um, a lot of women are going well you know if um, I can get a cleaner in that can really help once a week you know with that load of um of things because i think a, a, an interesting topic is when things change within the household it immediately feels like it's the woman's responsibility to take on that change whether it is children's homework or um bedding needs changing or um we need food for the house um washing needs done and the dishwasher needs unpacking and i think that um immediately we feel lighter I know I do in particular if I've communicated with my husband that look these are the topics that are really stressing me out mm -hmm. can we talk about like how we can um 
you know, share the load a little. I'm not saying I want everything done right now, but maybe if we can talk about how, what the next three or four days can look like so that we can tick all of these things off without me feeling that it's solely my responsibility. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think the other area that, I, uh, that offers a lot of support is to choose one thing to do in a day for yourself. And I love that you said, you know, like afternoon walks and going for a walk over lunchtime and giving yourself the permission to say that I'm allowed and I, I deserve this time. I, you know, um, I'm worthy of taking 20 minutes or 30 minutes just to go clear my head and um, get some fresh air. So to choose um, an activity that you can do, you know, in a, in a day that can really benefit um, mental clarity and relaxation. Mm. Um, and then to choose something that you can do in a week. So say, um, you know, maybe getting to a yoga class or um, like a, a hobby or, or something is it just even the thought of it is adding too much stress because you've got all these things to do. Maybe if you can look at something that you can do in a week, like, okay, cool, this week in these seven days, I can definitely get to my photography class or my art class or, um, you know, something fun um, or yoga class. Um, and then, okay, in, in a month, what can I afford to do in a month time-wise and maybe financially? Maybe I can go for a massage. Maybe I can meet a friend for lunch um, or, you know, something like that. And then immediately applying these incredible tools doesn't feel so overwhelming. If we go, okay, what can I do in a day? What can I do in a week? And then what can I do in a month? So, um, yeah, I think that is, that is something that really helps um, my clients to feel that, okay, this is doable, you know? Yeah. And that makes sense. And I think, yeah, one thing that has really helped me as well is, um, exactly that like I might have 10 things on my things to do list that day but it's about okay what are my three priorities so these are the three things that I would really like to have done by the end of the day and then I just kind of move the stuff over because a lot of the stuff is not as urgent as you might make it out to be initially you know um, I have stuff that I move over for like three four weeks and I'm still moving it over but you know it's nobody's it's not affected anybody um, but I think um, yeah, having that flexibility that we talked about before, you know, and not beating yourself up, looking at the things that you have achieved rather than things that you haven't achieved. And we're so easy to focus on, you know, the negative and judging ourselves and beating ourselves up and stuff. And that is that self-sabotage, which we're going to do a whole nother episode on, mm. but um, to, you know, rather be treating yourself with that um, love and acceptance and kindness um, is so much more powerful. Yeah, I love that. Cultivating flexibility. Yeah. Oh, that was a life, like honestly, life changing for me. Mm. Um, and I think this whole area of um, weight loss and hormonal change and um, food in particular, I think as soon as we start making these inner changes, changing our perception, cultivating more flexibility, cultivating that compassion, looking at self-sabotage, then we actually, what we find is applying the, the nutritional protocols and the other, um, whether it's exercise, whether it's yoga, like all those other strategies and protocols, then become a lot easier because yeah. we're not stressed. We're not 
um, anxious and, and, and pushing, you know, it's coming from a place of I'm calm, I am, you know, worthy, I'm deserving. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden things just feel easier and things flow. And when we have less stress, less cortisol floating through our body, that has such a huge direct effect on um, our sex hormones um, again our adrenal health so you you start seeing how yes you might have a a diagnosis of um, a hormonal imbalance like PCOS but then we start seeing that there's so many different areas of intervention and um, different strategies and root root causes that we can start addressing and I think that that in itself gives people a lot more power to feel that they are fully resourceful in um, their own health and well-being you know it's no longer here's a pill that will make you feel better there's so many different strategies that we can start looking at that will um, start supporting those root causes um, that leads to different um diseases being expressed in everybody's um, individual genetic makeup so it's very interesting but that again is a whole other topic <laughs> yeah but I think it'll be it would be good to hear because you know from my experience I mentioned you know over the last five years I've had so many blood tests and stuff and I actually thought in the very beginning that I probably had PCOS but it's taken like five years to actually get that diagnosis so for somebody who knows that there's some hormonal imbalance or something is not quite right, like what would your advice be in terms of helping them um, get to the root cause of that a little bit quicker and so that they can then have a look at what, you know, what professionals to work with and to find the tools to then work with that specific thing? That is a great question. And it is very difficult, I think, that when we start looking at um, specific blood tests and things that maybe um, the medical, like our GPs look at, like we will look at different tests. Um, and I say we, when we start looking at the functional medicine world and lifestyle medicine and nutritionists that have um, a good qualification, not just two weeks, um, you know, and they've got this title of nutritionist, but somebody who's got a BSc honors degree or um, who actually looks at the root causes and the imbalances. Um, and it's different for every person. And that's why it becomes a bit complicated. There isn't a um, one test that would just determine you know, an outcome for every, for every client. And it's really important to work with somebody that takes your whole life into consideration from birth until now, because what we see is that it, it has a perpetuating effect on somebody's health um, and inflammation. And I think that it's important when you do feel that you have an imbalance to express that and, and to make sure that whoever you speak to takes that on board. And I hear this time and time again, where um, another client said that, you know, she, she felt that she had an estrogen imbalance, but it wasn't until she sat down in front of the doctor and said, I feel that I have an estrogen um, like dominance and mm -hmm. this is why 
please taste for it. You know, you have to really uh, take your health into your own hands and start doing the research. And because um, oftentimes our GPs don't have all the knowledge because they trained in different ways. Yeah. They, um, and it's not to say that they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. it, they totally do. It's just everybody is trained in different ways. And um, the knowledge that they have, um, it, it's all a process of elimination. We have to figure out and go through a whole step-by-step -step list. So what they go through and what I go through, for example, is different. And it doesn't mean one person is right and one person is wrong. It just means that there's different modalities for every um, like outcome. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's becoming more public and more sort of um, people are becoming more and more aware that you know, the GP probably doesn't have all the answers mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, tests don't always have all the answers either. They might be false positives. They, they might, especially with hormones, we need to be really clear when we start testing hormones. And the test that I do, for example, is a Dutch hormonal test looking at the sex hormones. Um, and I know that the GPs, for example, don't do that, those tests at all. Um, and I wish there was a clear-cut answer for you. <laughs> um, uh, I I, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, what I'm getting is like, you know, I think maybe working with somebody like you earlier on would have been helpful to um, know what questions and what to speak to the doctor about because I think just as like a normal person who doesn't have a lot of knowledge in this um this field uh the information like i said can just be really overwhelming and then it's difficult to know what tests you're asking for the, the doctor to do or you know what it is you're speaking to the doctor about yeah. and you hit the nail on the head there it's like okay i've got this test and i see this time and time again is i've got these tests but now what hmm. I've got these results. They, they're saying all these things, but what do I do with it? Yeah. Um, like, you know, how can I support my body and not just accept the fact that, okay, I've got this diagnosis and this is how it's going to be forever. I've had clients um, that change their diet and their lifestyle in very specific personalized ways to then support their cholesterol levels to the point where they no longer on statins yeah. um, that, you know, they still losing weight every week um, by not starving themselves. Um, and we are now at the point where, for example, the client that's off of statins, she can now actually start testing her hormones. Um, that's the next step. So, so there's stepping stones to this. We first need to um, address the insulin resistance. Yeah. We first need to address the cortisol. So I think that a starting point for every single woman out there is to look at your metabolic health. Um, all doctors, all GPs can test for your insulin, your HbA1c, um, your fasting glucose. And what I can do is at the at the end of this um, podcast is to just share some um, biomarkers and parameters of what a healthy metabolic, um, um, me, you know, metabolic health looks like, um, so that you can you can start seeing for yourself. Okay, I can test my cholesterol. I can test my fasting blood glucose. I can test my triglycerides. I can look at my waist hip ratio, um, and start 
start using that as a um as a starting point i think for for even for hormonal health um yeah that would be a great starting point because if your insulin is um, balanced and if your cholesterol is in a healthy mm. range then that is already a huge um st- yeah starting point with hormonal health for yeah sure. thank you and i think i wish i had known all of this earlier because i think the and a lot of people might a lot of women might relate but i think the frustration was that after all the blood tests it would just come back normal and that was all i got it's normal it's normal it's normal and i was like well obviously like there's something is not normal um and then when you actually get a printout of the the blood test and you look into it you can see that there are things that are not where they need to be but you don't have anybody to kind of talk you through that and, and give you guidance on, on what you can do to change it. So yeah, I think it'd be really beneficial to get that professional support sooner rather than later. You know, it's it's so frustrating from my side as well because um, it's it's difficult when we start looking at um, the like what a GP sees as normal when we're looking at it at a test and why because when they look at the statistics they are looking at what is healthy and normal for a whole population like everybody in the UK like what is healthy and what is normal for them what I do is I look at the outliers like what is healthy for you as an individual so um that is why um normal and what what I measure is is different like what I would say and the words aren't coming to me for some reason (laughs) um is that um the reference ranges right so when we're looking at hundreds and thousands of people to keep them healthy um this range is appropriate for them but to keep Taryn healthy this range is not appropriate for you. So it doesn't mean that the test, you know, says normal for you as an individual. And I think that is why personalized um, t- like healthcare and personalized nutrition and intervention is so important. So for me, for example, my vitamin D levels were in a healthy range, mm. but they weren't in the optimum range for me as an individual. They were very low. But if I had seen my GP for them, it would have been in the healthy range. So normal for them. Mm. But when I look at me as an individual, what is optimum and healthy for me, it was low. Okay. Um, so I think that is really helpful to share as well, um, to that the, the reference ranges that they look at is slightly different. And there's reasons for that. It doesn't mean that it's wrong or it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the amount of people that they support is is huge like it's a huge number of people um but yes so it's frustrating but it's really (laughs) we get there in the end yeah yeah and i think yeah for for my journey there's still uh so much that i still need to figure out but at least i am i'm i'm getting somewhere i have i know which direction i'm headed in now but um yeah there's there's looking into now what kind of what kind of PCOS it is and like you said you've given me the kind of blood tests to to um, look at and that are going to help me figure that out as well so 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's very important. I think that to to end this off with, I think um, I would say that personalized um, nutrition guidance and personalized testing, like to figure out what is the optimum and what is right for you as an individual is very, very, very important. So even if you have tests that come back, um, it's really great that as like what you did go, but this isn't normal. I'm not feeling any it doesn't feel normal to me and to really trust that in instinct and trust what your body is saying that don't get dis um um discouraged i think (laughs) yeah Yeah. carry on and really um connect with that part of you because nobody knows your body nobody knows what you're going through it's only you you are your biggest um advocate for health and never lose track of that yeah that's a good message (laughs) thanks so i think um like for anybody out there who is struggling with any kind of hormonal balance or is not sure what's going on and maybe needs some guidance and stuff is could they reach out to you like do you offer consultations or anything like that what is the best way for people to reach out and get a bit of support in that area? Absolutely. Um, I will add my email address on below as well, but it's listener at infinite living. Um, yeah. Co.uk. And um, I run group programs because what I find is that when you have that support with somebody else going through what it is that you're going through, that we don't feel like we're alone anymore. And the next group program will start running in January and we start looking at metabolic health first and foremost. We get insulin sorted, we get cholesterol sorted, and that is done by having a, um, a blood test. And I'll go into a lot more detail about this but yes, definitely email me at Lucinda um, at infiniteliving.co.uk. I'll also add the link below. But yes, please don't go through this alone. If you've got any questions, reach out. Um, there are reasons why we feel the way that we feel. And there's so many areas of um, intervention that we can start supporting. Um, so just don't feel like you know your even your monthly cycle like like this is normal and you're in pain and there's heavy periods and there's acne and mood swings and you can't sleep and there's night sweats and there's all these hormonal stuff going on for you don't go through this alone reach out um and i'd be happy to to help you through this yeah yeah and i just want to thank you again because yeah i'm so grateful to um you have your knowledge and advice at a time like this and um for anybody else who is looking for some guidance listen to knows his stuff um so yeah do reach out to her and get some some guidance um you know whether you decide to work um with her or not it's um yeah. it's a great starting point and um yeah so i hope everyone enjoyed this podcast today um if you did please give us a like and if you think of anybody who you think who might benefit from this who might be going through the same kind of issues um, or journey please do share this with them as well um, you know it's it's encouraging to know that we're not on this journey alone and that there is support out there as well so yeah thank you again Lucinda, and thank you everyone for joining us today um, until next time thanks everyone bye bye